the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. This has been the year for distraction, hasn't it? But we have a singular focus, and it's in that focus that we can find the peace that passes all understanding, a peace that the distractions of life will never allow us to know. But because we have Christ as our life, we don't have to be moved. I'm going to be speaking tonight on, of course, Thanksgiving, but in there will be a bit about joy and a bit about prayer. All three of those things are elements that should be a constant part of your devotion, your daily walk with him. Thanksgiving is a really great emphasis. It was once considered our national day of worship, but as is the way of man, it's become man-centered as our society has become increasingly godless. The uh, scripture I had for tonight, I'm not sure if we read it or not, was Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is the psalm of thanksgiving. And it says, Shout to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness and delight. Come before his presence with joyful singing. And we're in his presence. And this is the verse that really touches me. Know and fully recognize with gratitude that the Lord himself is God. There's no variation. There's nothing that is bigger or greater than he is. He is God and he is unchangeable and he is love and life to each one of us. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves, yet we're still trying to redo that, aren't we? And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are to be led and kept by him. Enter his gates with a song of thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That is an abandonment before the Lord that says, I come with joy because everything lays at your feet, because everything concerning my life is in your hands. I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live in doubt. I don't have to live under the the oppression of circumstance. I can live in the fullness of your life because you are my God. Be thankful to him. Bless and praise his name. 
For the Lord is good. His mercy and loving kindness are everlasting. They're not ceasing. He didn't put it on hold when all these things came up. His mercy and loving kindness towards you is for eternity and will never change. His faithfulness endures through all generations. And we would look back and we would see generations that didn't have so much fluctuation in their society, so much godlessness. And we would say, well, he's certainly a greater blessing to us at this time or back then than he is now. But he doesn't change. His mercy endures through all generations. You're in the perfect generation for you to know God. Thanksgiving is not just a word of gratitude or a verbal acknowledgement. It is a way of life. It is a product of walking and living after the Spirit. And the reason it seems empty and shallow and takes on the tenor of a forgotten New Year's resolution is because many of us do not consistently live in the context of Christ as life, which is the only way we can know thanksgiving. We live with Christ as our help when we need it. We live with Christ as our Savior. Christ as our protector And he's all of those things. But for thanksgiving to be a way of life for us, he must be our life. The world gives thanks for things of the world. The Christian gives thanks to our God, who is the giver of every good and perfect gift, beginning with Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. So we should be able to give thanks in all things. Thanksgiving is a testimony of praise. And in many ways, for us, Thanksgiving should be a covenant meal. A covenant meal is where we celebrate the faithfulness of our God. The focus is not to be the meal or even the holiday itself, but to be the God of our salvation. Not even sports rank in there. Paul outlines the components of uh, life of Thanksgiving In three verses, which you've heard me speak on these three verses before. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And would you please stand with me as we read that? That is our text today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. says, Be happy in your faith, and rejoice, and be glad-hearted continually, always. Be unceasing in prayer. Pray perseveringly. Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. You may be seated. God bless the reading of his word. Now this is a command for us as Christians. Paul is addressing believers in Thessalonica who are fairly new in the faith and who are at the moment facing persecution. And he's touching them in a critical area. He's saying, give thanks, declare the truth. The young church in Thessalonica had very little understanding of how to live the Christian life. And Paul in chapter 5 of Thessalonians is giving them the foundational principles for living the Christian life. And the practicing of ongoing thanksgiving is obviously one of them. The Thessalonians might have asked Paul through Timothy, how can we have joy in the face of hate and persecution? How can we have hope in the midst of suffering and loss? And Paul would have been the one to ask because, as you know, Paul had gone through quite a bit. In 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, Paul speaks to his circumstances. And you've heard me read this before, but I want you to remember, notice that after the word but comes the truth and the place of thanksgiving. Paul writes, we are hedged in, pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way. But, praise God, not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments. We are perplexed and unable to find a way out. But thank God, not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven. But thank God, not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Paul affirms the truth after acknowledging their condition. And he sees it for what it is. He's enduring it. He's not delusional. But what he has a greater vision of is not the pain he's suffering in the body, but the grace and strength and power of God upon him. He sees their condition. He sees what they're enduring. And the way he sees what he's enduring and what they're enduring is that it is a testimony to the grace and mercy of God. And he hopes all may see the glory of God who holds and sustains them and him. Here's the thing. As you've heard me say many times, Paul would have readily collapsed under all that he had to endure. You will live until the Lord calls your number. You won't go because of the persecution of man. You won't go because of weakness in the body. You won't go because of the things around you. You will go because God calls you. And Paul stood in the truth of that. And he says, I am standing and I'm standing in the declaration of the truth of my God who holds me in place. And my standing is a declaration of his glory, his power, his sustaining life within me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15, he addresses these very things in the previous verses I just read. And he says to them, for all these things are taking place for your sake. So that the more grace and divine favor and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiples through the many and more and more thanksgiving may increase and redound to the glory of his name. What is the purpose? To the glory of God. What is the fullness of the purpose? That they may see the testimony of someone who is troubled and oppressed and pressed in but not crushed. That they may see the testimony of one who suffers embarrassments and they're perplexed and unable to find a way out, but are not driven to despair. That they may see the testimony of the one who is persecuted and hard driven, but never deserted to stand alone. That they may see the testimony of the one who is struck down to the ground, but remains never struck out. That's the testimony. The only reason we fear the things that will come against us is because we hold this physical life as our life. The boldness and the testimony of Paul and these Thessalonians is in the fact that nobody can take life from them. The reason there is so much complaining and self-centeredness in the Christian community is because we do not see God's grace and spiritual blessing in our circumstances. You are either Christ-centered or you're self-centered. You've heard me say that many times. 
Your words will reveal the condition of your soul. And after naming the difficulty, Paul points to God's mercy and grace. And when we see man uh, before we see God and the things that are taking place around us, when we see man before we see God and we refuse to give thanks, we are giving room to resentment, bitterness, and all the plagues of this Christian soul. We are never to see man before we see God. Any man. And certainly not ourselves. Certainly not the man in the mirror. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that giving thanks is the will of God for you. In other words, thanksgiving is a necessary practice for the Christian. Not just once a year. Thanksgiving brings the truth to the forefront. It is important. It is as important as avoiding sin is important because it's through thanksgiving that we avoid sin. The practice of thanksgiving forces us to look to him in all things, to view life from the perspective of God's sovereignty and his love, to set aside personal judgments, and to embrace the will of God with thanksgiving. Paul compared his suffering to the reward of knowing Jesus and to the riches of his inheritance in Christ. His suffering stayed in the shadow of his determination to focus on Christ. Where's yours? Paul is seeing tribulation and suffering through the eyes of faith. Living to the unseen means to live by faith, to see everything in the context of Christ. That allows us to give thanks in all things. The causes of despair and sorrow are not eternal. They are temporary, just as you are. They are temporary, just as you are. But the surpassing comfort and joy that we have in the abiding presence of our God is eternal. The joy of the Lord is our strength, but joy can only be experienced when we recognize his presence. It's not known apart from his presence. To choose to be joyful is to choose to see your relationship with Christ as the greater reality. To rejoice is the outward expression of an inward determination to worship the Lord your God in the soul. In the mind, will, and emotions, we can make a sanctuary for our God. That's what it was created for. That I might know him. That I might experience him. That I might yield my will to him. The soul is to be a place of worship. This is how thanksgiving is birthed in the soul. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. The source of joy for us is internal, not external. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It flows from our union with Christ, John 15.5. It flows from the Spirit of God. Joy is never based in the temporal or in circumstance. It's that fruit that the Spirit gives. It is the fruit of His activity. We look to Jesus to find joy. To rejoice is simply to, to delight in Him by faith. It is to look at what life brings from the vantage point of our union and fellowship with Him. Thanksgiving and rejoicing are the same To rejoice in the Lord is to lift up grateful praise to him. It is a choice, a determination. A happy, cheerful soul is a matter of cultivation. It's not something that God imposes upon us. We must determine. And that is along the lines of what Todd was speaking to earlier about a renewing of the mind. 
First Thessalonians 5.17 tells us, Be unceasing in prayer. Pray perseveringly. And this is part of it. To be in prayer continually is to draw the soul, the mind, will, and emotion into inter- the intercession of the Spirit. Prayer is keeping God in the present tense of your living, going into every circumstance, recognizing His presence, and yielding to His Spirit. It is walking in with the confidence and assurance of His presence, both in you and about you. Thanksgiving is a command that is fulfilled in prayer. It is shifting your focus from the seen to the unseen. Prayer is the cleansing of the soul. It rids the sanctuary of idols such as fear, doubt, pride, and makes God our focus. And you know what? When we come into prayer and we come into, come before the Lord with all kinds of anxiety and fears and doubts, uncertainty about the future, whatever it is, when we come to the Lord with all of that baggage, His draw to us is to set it down and look at Him. To put our focus upon the omnipotent, sovereign God who loves you and has loved you from the beginning. When I look upon Him and I know His great love for me and His desire for me and all that He has done for me, how can I possibly open that baggage before Him? How can I possibly explain to him the reasons behind my anxiousness, my fear? How do I have a place before him for those things? I don't. But I come to him in thanksgiving and with the fruit of the Spirit being born out of my very being. I come before him with thanksgiving and joy and praise and worship. Prayer should be also be a confident expression of your dependence on the Lord rather than a pitiful resignation that Jesus is all you have left. I'm guilty. Jesus prayed constantly. He lived out of his union with the Father, which, is, which meant that his relationship with the Father was the context for his living. His prayers were not self-centered. They were God-centered. And his Father was the subject. Let me ask you a question. If you took yourself out of your prayers, how much praying would get done? Do we trust God? Most times when we come before him, it's because we are at a place where we recognize that we can't trust the things around us. We can't trust the the circumstance that surround our lives. We can't even trust our own physical being. And this could be a place of rejoicing in prayer saying, Thank you, Father, that none of these things are trustworthy. But I put all my trust in you. Thank you, Father, that I can no longer place trust in this government. Thank you, Father, that I can no longer place trust in a man. Thank you, Father, that I can no longer place trust in the physical things of this world. But I have a greater confidence. I have a closer assurance. I have a God who loves me, and I put my trust in him. It's a funny thing. If I were to tell you that I have committed to talk to my wife three times a day, you would look at me and say, why don't you guys talk more often, right? But if I tell you I've committed to pray three times a day, you would say, wow, now there's a committed Christian. Prayer would be a lot less formal for us if it were a part of how we live. And I've said this before, but many of us like the texting, whole texting thing, because we can jump in and out of people's lives without really getting involved or revealing more than we want them to know. And I really think we arrange our prayer life that way. But you know what? Prayer is not to be a spotty thing. It is to be an ongoing thing. 
where I am not having to come in with an introductory statement every time I talk to God. Because I am talking with him continuously, and I don't mean chatter, but if it helps you keep your focus on him, chatter away. What I'm talking about is a sense of communion. It only takes very little time to recognize that you are walking with God, in the presence of God, that he surrounds you. In this place, right now, you are in the presence of Almighty God, both within and without. His Spirit is about you. It flows about you and in and out of you. That shouldn't make you feel any better about this place than it does about going to the grocery store. Because that same presence, notwithstanding the many, that same presence is with you. The work of God is going on about you. The ministry of Christ is leading you. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit and with all matter of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert. Keep alert. And watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. You know what he's saying? Keep alert. Keep yourself centered in truth. Keep your mind focused upon him. Keep walking in the fullness of his presence. But not only be alert for yourself, be alert for your brothers and sisters as well. Because the enemy is constantly seeking to pull us away with distraction. He is not more powerful than God. He is a created being. But God allows him. And God allows him to draw people who look away from him. He is the provocation of faith. He is an invitation to intimacy. He is the one that makes the only safe place for you in the presence of God. Paul is showing you in the verse I just read that we are to live in prayer. Audible or silent, doesn't matter. Posture isn't important. Time and place doesn't matter. The early church met for prayer in the tradition of the Jews who prayed certain times of day. But we are not in that covenant. We are in the new covenant where we abide in his presence and prayer is to be continuous. What the whole idea of what would Jesus do loses its relevance if we live in the communion of Christ within, doesn't it? Andrew Murray said... We understand that our true aim must not be to work much and have prayer enough to keep the work right, but to pray much and then work enough for the power and blessing obtained in prayer to find its way through us. Amen? (laughs) Understand that prayer is not the goal. The act of prayer is not the goal. Communion. Intimacy. Living in the presence of God, in the awareness of the presence of God, that is the goal. The glory of God is the goal. Keeping him at the forefront of your life experience is. Recognizing his presence and your dependence on him is. 
Thanksgiving is a prayer, giving thanks to him who is our life and the giver of all good things. Thanksgiving should start and finish every conversation with our Lord. In prayer, we recognize that we have it all in Jesus. Our petitions are to be turned to thanksgiving. Our needs are met in Christ. And all that is left is thanksgiving. And if we're living in the fullness of his presence, we recognize that. How many of you share my experience of having come before the Lord with a bag full of petitions only to never even open them? To be satisfied that I have a God who loves these more than I do. A God who loves me more than I do. A God who tends to the every nuance of my being. And I can yield to that self-same God who stands strong before me and omnipotent in my circumstances and keeps me by the will of his power. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 to repeat says, Thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ Jesus, the revealer and mediator of that will. This is the will of God. This is a command, which means God considers thanksgiving essential to living in the truth. It's not an option. We must choose to be obedient, but it's also a gift. It is through thanksgiving that we enter into the reality of God's sovereignty and love. Christ's life is the conduit for the will of God, and thanksgiving allows you to embrace the truth of it. When you refuse to give thanks, it is because you've made your desires or needs your focus. And it is an invitation to fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road, and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.